Welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. And I'm delighted to say the very first fellow Brit on the show, Darren Wadsworth, joins me. Darren, how's it going? It's going very well, thank you. I've, um, I've been looking forward to this for ages, to be honest. I've been looking forward to having you on because obviously whenever I post a show... Uh, you always have a comment. You always um, seem to enjoy the shows I've done. It's always nice to know that someone's listening because you, do, you don't know uh, when you post the shows if people do actually listen to them or not. So uh, hearing your feedback has been really great. Yeah, and as, as somebody who's done a few podcasts myself, I, I can appreciate it. Just, just one person commenting, you know, somebody's been paying attention. So, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I really enjoy the... It's nice to hear people talking positively about wrestling. And, and the passion for enjoying it and that's that's why I, I really wanted to come on here so wrestling is is one of your main interests another sort of main interest you have is is movies and, and i know you're you do a regular or you you guess on a regular movie podcast is that right yeah there's a yeah, there's a podcast called at the flakes that uh, who um who do a hell, a hell of a lot of episodes actually and I, i'm on there at least once a month where i have, where we just basically review a few films um, I have a little segment on there called The Dash because I, um, I watch a lot more films than the others, so I talk about a lot of the films I've been watching. Uh, but we're also doing a, a project which is very dear to my heart where we're, we're basically going through all the Star Trek movies. And um, we've had the first two uh, uploaded. In each episode, we're basically taking one of the Star Trek uh, movies and uh, basically talking about the history of it and how it came to be, all the little behind-the-scenes stuff, and also... You know, getting really deep into what the uh, what the shows, what the uh, films all mean. So we've um, we, we recorded the first four, and we've got the first two out there. So we're going to go through all of, of them uh, throughout this year. So that's that's probably the project I've most been excited about lately. So yeah. So what was your what's your favourite film of all time? If you had to pick a favourite film, what would you go with? Oh. See, it's, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, tell you I was going to ask that question. I put you right on the spot there. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, it's a toss-up between Jaws and Casablanca. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and and two, two very diverse films, but yeah, they're, 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 the, they're the two that I I watch more than and any other, and and I love them for for very, very you know different reasons. But yeah, they're they're, they're the two that I um, love. But both were films that I saw when I was a very young age as well, so they kind of really got my my uh, really introduced me to the world of movies in fact i'm actually going to be a guest uh, a guest on a um a podcast later this year by uh, uh on a podcast called jaws for a minute um and that's a podcast where the presenters are basically going through each episode is a different minute of the movie jaws so i'm, I'm going to be on that later this year that's a, it's a great project that they're doing i'm going to be on that later this year so that's another one i'm adding my thoughts to Great. Okay, so in terms of your sort of wrestling fandom, where did it all begin? What was your earliest memory of wrestling? Well, my my, um, my earliest memory of wrestling would have been in the late seventies, and I would have been about five years old, and it would have been on a Saturday afternoon because back then um, British wrestling was always on around about four o'clock mm -hmm. on, on a Saturday. You know, just before that the football results started to come through. And I was just happened to be in the, in the living room by, by myself. And on TV, a, a wrestling match was starting. And, and it was Big Daddy. And he was, uh, he was basically wrestling some big, huge, masked wrestler. And I, I, he just caught my attention. And I've never seen any, at that age, I've never seen any sort of combat sport of, of any kind. I've never even seen a real fight or anything. And I watched this match, and I just thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. It, and it was just yeah, basically Big Daddy match where the other guy just running at him and, and bouncing off him and Big Daddy would running to him and doing like shoulder charges and just this really simple, typical Big Daddy match. But in my mind, I, I thought I was watching a real legitimate sporting contest and I just thought Big Daddy was must have been like the greatest fighter ever because he, he, like any other Big Daddy matches, he basically just took the whole match for the other guy he didn't get any offence in at all. Big Daddy was throwing him into the turnbuckle and just like running into him. And, and I just, I was just like in awe. And, and after the match, I went running to find my mum who was doing something. 
uh, getting a tea ready or something like that. And I started telling him really excitedly about this this great match that I'd seen and how big daddy was, this really strong guy now, the other guy never had a chance and it was a really, you know, one side. And I'm like recreating all these moments for her and she's kind of just like not really listening. And at the end of it, she turned around to me and she just said, um, you know, it's all pretend, don't you? <laughs> And that's become it. sorry. That's become like a regular thing that people say on this show. Is that their parents sort of turn around to them and go, that's, "That's all fake. That's not all real." Yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, because people, uh, you get a lot of old, old school people say, "Well, not everybody thought it was real." But maybe this is in the seventies, and, and this is my mum. I'm pretty sure I wasn't reading like you know dirt sheets or anything like that. So, and she knew it was all, all you know, all uh, you know. All worked as as as, as you say, and uh, but yeah. But even at the age of five, as soon as she said that, it kind of like dawned on me that yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because when I when I thought about what I'd actually seen, it kind of did make sense. But yeah, that that was that explains what it did. And I think it did look a bit fake. So so yeah, so that was the first ever match I saw. But and from time to time, I I, I would. I wasn't like an avid viewer straight to it because I was only five and I'd watch it from time to time and I, I do remember the FA Cup final day there would always be a match um, in the day that, you know so I always, I always used to catch that uh, but it wasn't really until 19 and, and I've actually looked this up it was the first week of 1987 where I would say I actually became a proper wrestling fan because what happened is that the, um, the, the TV slightly changed in the UK. Because up, up to that point, um, the wrestling had always been by a, a promotion called Joint Promotions, who were run by the, the Crabtrees, who were Big Daddy was uh, what was Shirley Crabtree. He was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a very... It was some good wrestling on there, some good wrestlers, but it was very stuck in its ways. It was very old-fashioned. Um, a lot of it, you know, they tended to um, centre the... Uh, the shows around the big guys because Big Daddy was the big wrestler, so we always push the big guy, being the big um, fat guys who basically will be able to work with him. And in '87, something changed because some um, joint promotions. They actually they lost the exclusive rights to have the uh, their television shows. They had to share their TV the TV spot. And the promotion that who started to have shows on there was something called um, uh, All uh, All Star Wrestling. And All Star was a very different. It was it was the wrestlers were it was a lot faster paced. Um, they were a bit more razzmatazz, and they also they did a bit more creativity with the matches and the storylines. And I just happened to see the first show that they did because they they'd, um, they'd promoted it um, quite well. So I sat down to watch this, and that first show really caught my imagination. I'd be about fourteen at the time. And I just became, that's when I really took notes. I thought, this is, I, I like this. I want to watch this every week. And, and funnily enough, as well, just a couple of weeks later, they um, they had, um, every so often, um, they would show a WWF show, probably just as a special about two or three times a year. And they had one of their shows on it. It was from Madison Square Garden. And they had two matches. It was uh, Heart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. And they also had a Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage match, a Lumberjack match. And... I was just like, you know, blown away by how huge it was in America. I'd, I'd seen Hulk Hogan on Rocky Three, but I'd never actually seen a proper uh, WWF wrestling match. So, so those two shows in just a few weeks' time—that British show and that WWF show—it basically, you know, told me that there was a big world out there of wrestling. Eighty-seven really was the year that I became a, a wrestling fan. Well, eighty-seven was you know, because I was. Sorry, go on. 87. I was going to say, 87 was sort of before Sky as well. I, th- I think Sky started showing WBF in, what, sort of 89 or 90 or thereabouts? When, when, did, you, did, you, when did you get Sky over, over here? Um, we, 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 we got a satellite dish. We, we were actually one of the... This, this is back in the day when um, Sky wasn't very fashionable. It was a bit of a... Sky TV was... Cons- did a joke. Uh, we, we got a satellite dish at the end of '89, and they, they and I, I think it was about '87, '88 that the uh, they started showing it uh, on Sky because um, 
somebody I know had a satellite dish, and he he videotaped. Uh, he had a videotape of WrestleMania four. Right. So, but yeah, um, uh, but I think so. So, so, so I, know, I know it was on was on then. Uh, but yeah, but re- it was really um, eighty nine and ninety when Sky really became like a really big deal, where satellite dishes started uh, popping up. But because WWF used to be on ITV Wrestling late at night, on some of the, they had a, an international sh- uh, a wrestling challenge. They used to show. But it wasn't a wrestling challenge that was in America. It was a show just for international audiences. And they would show it on certain ITV regions. But the only trouble was, they, uh, I lived in the Yorkshire TV region, and they didn't show it for some reason. Right. Uh, so uh, occasionally, my dad who used to work in other um, areas. He would get me, uh, he'd find somebody who would tape it for me. So I did get to see a few of the shows. But um, yeah, this, this, uh, this ITV show that they did, this, this was well before, um, before Sky had it, yeah. Because so I would have first, I would have first seen it in like ninety one or ninety two when they started showing WCW late at night on ITV. It was on like in the middle of the night. They would show worldwide, and yes. they they eventually moved it to the old World of Sport slot on a Saturday afternoon. You know, you might remember the old shows from the Disney MGM Grand. They would show that on Saturday afternoon with like the football results over the you know the bottom of the screen sort of thing. Uh, that's what I remember the yeah, first seeing it really. But who were some of the guys? Obviously, you mentioned uh, Big Daddy, sort of capturing your imagination at the age of five. Uh, but who were some some of the guys that you really sort of were a big fan of as a kid? Well, I mean, it really all goes back to that first um, All Star show that I, I watched because on, on that show they um, they had the, the they had Fuji Yamada on there in a match who later would become Jushin from Daliger. And he he um, he was like revolutionary because even though he wasn't doing the crazy stuff that he would do when he became Liger, he was still doing enough aerial stuff that I'd never seen anything like that. And the the other guys on, on the show, um, the the main event was a it was a ladder match with uh, Kendo Nagasaki, in. and Kendo Nagasaki was a, a masked um, bad guy heel. Um, but, but there was a lot of he- uh, masked guys in British wrestling. But he was different because he had this, like, he never spoke, he had this really spooky aura about them. Everything he did was basically bending the rules, so he was a great heel. But he also had a manager with him, who was like his mouthpiece. Uh, who actually used to call himself Gorgeous George, obviously not the original Gorgeous George. Um, and so, and I, he was so, he was such a great villain, he was so easy to, to hate. Um, and I was used to, in his matches, we always used to do a bit where somebody would try to get his mask off. And I was always there wanting like somebody to take his, his, his mask off. So that was a big deal for me. But he, he was like the great villain that I liked. But the guy that really caught my imagination was also on that first show. And it was Mark Rollerball Rocco. Mm-hmm. He passed away and, quite recently, yeah. Yeah, really sadly. But, and, and he's a real, it was just from the tributes you could see what a really well-respected guy. Because there were tributes from all around the world. And he he was like nothing I'd ever seen because he came to the ring and he had this um, his wrestling tie was like a um, stars and stripes type uh, gear that he had on. He had on this like silver jacket. He had a kamikaze headband and he had a um, a black leather glove that had studs in it. And as he came to the ring, I just thought this this guy's like a like a real life action figure. It was just so over the top and, and everything and. The, it's aside from being an awesome wrestler, even though I didn't like, you know, know what a good wrestler was or from a bad wrestler at that point, I was in awe of him because he was like watching the Tasmanian Devil, because everything he he, he well, for a start he was fast and and put right every, even like body slamming something, he put like real aggression into it. But even if he was just saying like had a headlock on or or an armbar. He would be screaming at the crowd, he'd be screaming at the ref, he'd be shouting at his opponent, telling him to quit. And and I was just mesmerised by this guy. And he really caught my imagination. And from there, every every week I would tune in just to see if he had a, a match on there. And it was also one of the few guys, because they used to do like little, uh, I, I guess you could call them promos, would only be about, about 10 seconds before. Well, the match would start. Uh, but most of the British guys were not very good. 
but Rockall was. He just um, he just be screaming into the camera of all these things he was going to do to his opponent, and and, and I just was was in awe of the guy. And he he later formed a fun enough. He actually formed a tag team with Kendo Nagasaki, and we were this like super heel tag team. And uh, later on, they had a falling out uh, when Nagasaki uh, when. Uh, when uh, Rocco accidentally unmasked uh, Nagasaki and they had a feud. So he was a really, just he was a guy that really caught my imagination. But there were so many great British wrestlers from that time that, that, I've, that in the months ahead I got introduced to. I mean, Dave Finley, who was a you know a great, great, great wrestler in his own in his own right, but he also had a, a great act because his wife used to be his like valet, and she used to have the name. Um, the beautiful Princess Paula. She used to come to the ring in this headdress, and they were a great double act. As well as Finley being a you know a fantastic you know you know tough wrestler, they would do great comedy in in my, in, you know, in between rounds and stuff. But and British wrestling had the round system, like, like boxing, and yeah, and, and and Johnny Saint, you know Johnny Saint was a guy who even though I wasn't, I, I didn't know again, I wasn't able to spot what. Who were really great wrestlers and stuff so much, but I could just tell by watching him that there was something the way he moved and everything and, and just how sharp everything he did. I, I could just tell that he was like this guy was good, you know what I mean? And you know, so, so they were the um, they were the early ones that really caught my attention. And as, as far as the WWF went, even though I only got to study very few times, I, I really got into the tag team wrestling there because of that first Heart Foundation British Bulldog match because it, it really you know it, it was just such a great battle and a great contest and you could it, 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 you know I really got into a tag team wrestling because of that and of course the first I think the first time that you ever saw a Hulk Hogan match even if you sort of you know when you got a little bit into wrestling you might you know realise it was the same match again and again the first time you see Hulk Hogan and see that atmosphere you couldn't I don't think you could uh, help but be sort of in awe, uh, uh, just sort of like you know the, the drama and the sort of you know the crowd reactions and everything and the showmanship. I think at that age, when the first time you see a Hulk Hogan match, you think it's you know you you would get involved you know involved in there. No. So, so that was really the sort of like my, my first, the ones that really you know caught my imagination, really got me into wrestling. What was the first live event that you attended? You know, it, it's funny, even when I was um, at 87 when I became a fan, I never used to go to the shows. It, it was it was, um, it was was actually 2004 before I actually went to a show. And I don't I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I had no one to go with or if I was a bit, uh, a bit of anxiety about sort of, you know, going to shows on my own or anything. But it was 2004 and it was a house show in uh, Sheffield, the WWF. Um, show I think it was still WWF at that time and they um, but it was a really good show to go to um, uh, William Regal was on the card uh, obviously it was uh, you know being British got a great reception um, Rick Flair was on it um, he was teaming with Batista he, he wrestled they wrestled um, Chris Benoit and Edge um, Shawn Michaels had a team with Chris Jericho um, the main event was um, it was Randy Orton challenging Triple H for the world title and this was um, um if you remember this, but um, Randy Orton's first reign as champion was only was weirdly only like you know, lasted a month. It's when he yeah. beat Chris Benoit for the title at yeah. SummerSlam. I always then, thought, sorry, I always thought they only did that because Brock had just left and Brock was the youngest champion at that point. And I always thought that Vince, you know what Vince is like with those sorts of things. He only made Randy Orton the champion. So he was the youngest champion rather than Brock. Do you think there's anything to that, or do you think I was? I'm sort of jumping to conclusions there. Um, you, you know what? That wouldn't surprise me. Because he only had it I, for I, like. I've never even thought about that. And... Yeah, because as you say, he only had it for like a month, didn't he? And then he dropped it back to. Uh, well, he won it from Benoit, and he dropped it to uh, Triple H. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you, I, I've I've never thought about that, but uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it wouldn't surprise me. And um, yeah, this was actually the first on, on the house show circuit. This, I believe this was the first rematch that they had. So it was just after that. And, and Orton was um, 
what was uh, just because it um, it not just become a better baby face. To be honest, the, the crowd was more uh, was more cheering for Triple H. Yeah, I, I don't think the Orton face turn really worked because he's such a natural heel. I think. It, yeah, it, it did seem a very weird because you, you, you felt that that was a storyline that could have been them to have been in evolution at the time. That this is a, that's a storyline that could have we've we've often been the champion. And obviously, he's, he's like, you know, Triple H is not, he's in the same group as he was now. You think they could have done a long storyline with that? Yeah, because the one they did with Batista. They rush to it straight away. The one they did with Batista and Triple H was a really good feud. I mean, I, I thought the match at WrestleMania maybe didn't live up to the to the hype, but I thought the initial feud and Batista turning and, and you know, doing the thumbs down, I thought that was a really good angle, actually, at the time. Well, it's, well, it's funny you should say that because on, on that show, the guy who was most over, with the exception, I would say, of Flair and and, uh, and possibly Regal, was Batista. Mm, and yeah. at this time, Batista, he wasn't really a big star. He, his role in Evolution, he was basically beheaded. And the, the, the fans were really into Batista. In fact, they, were actually, they weren't chanting Batista, they were chanting Dave. <laughs> and at this time, Batista had never been called Dave on, on television or anything. And the, the the crowd during the match was shouting Dave, Dave, you know. So I think I think that's the difference is that when they, they turned Orton, nobody really wanted to cheer Orton. But I think with Batista, they they made it the thing that the fans felt that they'd actually chosen Batista to be the top guy. Well, yeah, because they, they, the they, they thought they thought yeah they thought that Batista was going to be the guy more so than John Cena you know John Cena sort of got hot and, and became the guy after that Wrestlemania where Batista won the title and they went, they, went, they, went, they, went, they went with John Cena but Batista was definitely pegged as the guy at one point and obviously they decided to to go a different direction but obviously we're going off on a, a bit of a tangent yeah. here but the um, yeah so that was the first show 2004 yeah and it was a good show to go to. I, I did because really, I, I went to a lot of shows after that, and I think it was good, good to go to a house show because I think house shows. I, I personally think they're more fun than television tapings. You know, pay per views are a different beast entirely. But the house shows, the the, the, the matches are, I think are better, and I think there's, the the crowd, the wrestlers live a bit more, and they play right. to the crowd yeah. a lot more. And they do, and they, you know, they're sort of like you know interact with like fans and stuff more. Whereas the TV, they obviously they have to hit everything to you know on on script and everything. Whereas house shows, I think they're a bit more fun, they're a bit more lively. That, that's how that's how I always feel anyway. At any point, uh, as a fan, did you? lose interest in wrestling and, and stop watching for a period of time? You know, I, I've never stopped watching some sort of wrestling. Um, even even when I went to it a bit to be a student and uh, to university and stuff, um, I would still like, I, I would still sort of keep an interest to know what was going on. And, and my, my, you know, my, my mum, bless her, she used to... Um, she would take me the um, the big shows, like you know, because like WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. She'd take me and, and send me the tape through, through the jiffy bag through the post. So I, I used to after all my uh, my housemates had gone to bed, I used to put it on there. I didn't want them to basically catch me watching wrestling, basically, because it wasn't the coolest thing uh, back back then. Um, but there's never been a time that I wasn't watching wrestling. I think there were times like in the nineties where I wasn't like. I wasn't reading um, the newsletters or, or finding out what was going on. I was just I'd just been like watching the um, you know the, the big uh, the, the pay per view shows that's on, on Sky. Uh, in my nineties, I, I used to watch the, the highlight show, the WWF highlight shows, and I'd watch the, the pay per views. But that was it. I wasn't like going out my way to watch any other promotions or anything. So that's probably the. It's not that I wasn't into wrestling, but I wasn't like. I, I, had, I had a very limit, limited I was just basically watching the shows I wasn't that interested in anything else going on I, I was aware that there were shows like WCW and ECW but I wasn't really like watching them I was just um, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't an ardent fan of all wrestling in, in the 90s is what I'm trying to say so that was probably the time when my interest in it was that it's um, least fanatical but, but I've always even then I've always watched some sort of uh, 
wrestling. I, I think I've always said that philosophy, if, it, if I was uh, an interest in something, if it wasn't doing it for me, I'd, I'd go find my interest somewhere else. So when, whenever WWF wasn't, or WWE wasn't doing it for, for me, I'd find another sort of wrestling, whether it be like an independent, like Ring of Honor, or like sort of Japanese wrestling or something, but I would get my wrestling fixed from. I've never been like a hate watcher. So I think that's probably why I've always, there's always been some sort of wrestling in my life. I think a lot of people, you know, they may have stopped watching it religiously, but they still would watch WrestleMania, or they would still watch yeah. the Royal Rumble. They, they, or, yeah, the Big Four. They'd still watch the Big Four shows every year, even if they weren't w- watching it. Because once you become a fan, I don't think you ever really completely lose interest in it. Because even when I wasn't watching it, I would still you know, keep tabs on what was going on. You know, I could still probably tell you who the champion was. Even though it's got harder over the years because there's always been more than one champion since um, you know, 2002. They've had more than one champion for the most part. But yeah, I think most people just, um, even if they weren't watching, they still kept tabs on it. Um, rapid fire questions we come on to now. I always say, I don't know why I call them rapid fire because they never normally are. But favourite wrestler of all time? Who would you Who would you say for that? Um, it's not going to be an original choice, but it, it would have to be Bret Hart. Um the, the, the fact is, I've had lots of... There's been various times from uh, wrestling that I've had a particular favourite wrestler at that time. There was no one that I was ever... Who was ever my number one the longest, um, who I, I was most ardently into than when I was a fan of um, of Bret Hart. And I actually... I, I, I was a, a, wrestling, a fan of Bret Hart for a long time. Well, um, I, I became a fan of his when he was in the Hart Foundation. And when, because and him and Nigel were actually heels, mm. and I just just something about his his look with the the long hair and, and me, because as, as a heel he had a real cocky swagger about them, and it was just something a bit sort of like like um like, I was just think sort of something a bit like heavy metal about it about him, his look and everything. And I became a real fan of his. And even in the early days when he was a singles wrestler, he'd be um, he'd be pretty much just a mid carder because he would. He would lose matches to the likes of Akeem and um, Dino Bravo, but you always felt that he was that he was good. And even if he was wrestling someone who was, you know, a much bigger star like him, like if he wrestled DiBiase or Randy Savage or Kurt Henning, even though they were bigger stars, he still would have really great matches with them, and he still would. It would still like hold his own. You, you know what I mean? And and I think. The best way I can describe it, my, my being a fan of Bret Hart, is it, it was like going to um, going to a pub and seeing a, a rock band in front of about like ten people, and then following their career and being bit with them in right until they started playing stadiums. It, it was great to have this like this like one guard who basically that was like a mid carder and just watch him grow. And uh, you know, get more and more bigger matches and win titles. And I also remember that the, um, I think the first time when I really knew that he was that he was going places is when they announced that for SummerSlam he was going to be having a match with Kurt Henning for the Intercontinental Title. Mm-hmm. And that was and and that because back in back those days, the Intercontinental Title was a really big deal. It was a really yeah, important absolutely. Yeah, title. it was it was either where they grew wrestlers to like take the next step or they would have really good workers who would have great matches and that was like you know you have the world title but it was your star but the intercontinental title was one that your hardcore fans really took notice of and it was just from there him getting that shot was a really big deal because they've not been doing a lot with him as a singles wrestler at that time he'd been wrestling people like the barbarian and haku and stuff and for him to be with kurt henning at that time you know that that to me for what well, you know wow he's he's you know he's made his great places i never dreamed though that he would one day be the top dog like he was you know i thought he might you know that I, I never even thought he'd be world champion because in those days the no. workers didn't get the world champion it was always you um you know like your, your superhero types like hulk hogan and um an ultimate warrior but you know but that i you know i never dream that he'd be one day be the biggest star in the business as he was at one point particularly in the wwf i think when he left or you know rather when after after montreal he went to wcw 
you could definitely make an argument he was the biggest worldwide wrestling star at that point. I mean, certainly over here and across Europe, you know, he was a huge star. He had a huge following here. Obviously, he was huge in Canada. Yeah, he was a big worldwide star. And WCW completely dropped the ball big time when they got him because they could have done so much with him and they had no idea what to do with effectively the hottest star they possibly could have got. That I, I, rem- I remember, um, and I think this is one thing that a lot of people, if you don't actually live in the UK, you, you don't realise how big Brett was over here. No, um, it was even, huge. Even, even before he became like a big star in America, um, those early shows, if you, if you ever get a tape of those early shows, he will get great ovations. Even, you know, he, even though he wasn't the biggest star on the card, he was really popular. And I remember as well when he was a heel in 87 and he came over for the, uh, I, think, I think it was the One Night Only um, pay-per-view. In 97, yeah. Yeah, 97, yeah. Even though he was a heel in America, they actually made, and he was wrestling The Undertaker, they actually made him a bit of a face. Well, yeah, I think at that point, he obviously was the biggest heel going in America. But outside of America, he was still a babyface, really, mm. especially in Canada and, and like say, over here in Europe. I mean, he was still probably the biggest babyface in the company. And when he faced... Yeah, because um, they did an interview with him. Sorry, go on. So, I was going to say, they did an interview with him before his match with Undertaker. And they actually said to him, um, does, it, does it matter to you what the British fans think of you? And he just says, yeah, he does. Yes, he does. And in fact, for a heel to say that is quite, you know, because you know, a heel, you would expect to basically want the, want the, uh, the fans to hate him. But in this one, it, it was very weird that they still, you know, Brett still wanted to be a face to, you know, because to European fans. It was a very, it was a very strange time that year, to be honest. It was a very strange time. Obviously, we just did the uh, the Zoom with uh, Dave Meltzer talking about 97. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was really fascinating to hear about certain things. But yeah, Brett, when he faced um, Davy Boy at, at uh, SummerSlam 92, I would say it was probably about 50-50 or maybe even 60-40 in Brett's favour in terms of crowd reaction for that show. Oh, yeah, definitely. De- you know, in... It, it was, you know, because the, the, you know, he had a real fan, even though it was David Boy. But yeah, he was, you know, you, and he expected that he'd get booed out of the bill, you know, the, the real, real David But yeah, it, it was, you know, it was a really good reaction for both guys. The next question is, favourite match of all time? Now, if, if it's not a Bret Hart match, I want to also ask you what your favourite Bret Hart match is. But what's your favourite match of all time? Uh, okay, well, my favourite match of all time is not actually a Bret Hart match. It's, um, it's from 1993, and it's from uh, Dream Slam 1, and it's Akiri Hokoto versus Shinobi Kandori. Um, it is, and now, if, you, if you're not familiar with, with Dream Slam, what it was, it was two nights of wrestling where all the women's promotions in Japan basically came together for these two shows. So both nights, it was all inter-promotional matches. It was a really, really big deal at the time. And... Uh, and the match with uh, Akira Hokoto and Shinobi Kandori, um, uh, obviously you had the, the inter-promotional aspect. So Akira Hokoto, she was with All Japan uh, Women's Wrestling. Shinobi Kandori was with the uh, LOPW. But whereas the rest of the, the cards were basically just inter-promotional matches, this was the only one which was presented as, as a grudge match. And the thing that was driving it was, Akiri had this reputation that she was basically this tough women's wrestler who would always fight through injuries. She'd had injuries her whole career. Uh, they used to call her the mummy for the amount of times that she used to wear bandages when she wrestled. In fact, there's a, there's a, there's a story, and I don't know how much of this is exaggerated, that Akiri took a pile driver once and broke a neck, and she actually got up and I was actually holding her head in place so that she could basically uh, take the match to a finish just to show how tough she was. And can, uh, Shinobi Kandori, she was actually a, um, a Olympic medalist judo, so she had the, um, the shooter background. So as well as the promotional aspect, you also had the pro wrestling versus legitimate sport angle. And you also had this, this wrestler who was basically prone to injury, going up against someone who's basically giving it, was what they would basically tear. Um, she was basically... Um, a, a bit like Shayna Baszler is today, 
you know, which you basically, you know, break bones and everything. That that was kind of, you know. And the match itself is absolutely incredible. It's every single move that happens in this match means something. Whether it's just a single blow that knocks down the opponent or a, an attempt at a submission, everything matters. And and this is a, it's a, basically a, just a war. They end up blowing into a crowd and Akira uh, Hokoto takes a power guarder and gets busted open. She's bleeding all over the place. Shinobi bleeds later. And they just the, the two of them just fight until they both look exhausted. And it's, if, if, you, if you go into this like, wanting really smooth transitions and really crisp, well-executed moves, you're not going to get that here. But what you get is a real dramatic match of two women getting really down and dirty and absolutely beating the hell out of each other. And you know, you only get these matches like like a like a, a typical WWE match with like say Randy Orton who's basically like virtually dead and beaten and then he just manages to get one move in and then two, uh, a second later he's got all his energy back. Yeah. He's fighting back and everything. That's not what you get here. You get um, comebacks and you get them sort of, the, you know, the momentum shifting. But as the match goes on, they basically just get more weaker and weaker and more exhausted. And, and, you know, each move is like obviously hurting them. It's just a really well-told story. And, it, and it's, I actually watched it again um, in, in preparation for this. I've not watched it for a couple of years. And it's, to me, it still holds up. It, it actually it even holds up better than when I first saw it because... Because of mixed martial arts, there is a lot more known and stuff like submissions and, and arm bars. Uh, as you know, as people understand them more. I think it's even better today, for particularly for Western audience, than it was back in 1993. So, so that is that is good match that I would say is my favourite. And if you've never seen it, it's, you can catch it on YouTube. It, it, it's just absolutely incredible. Must put a link up. Uh, with this podcast, so people can check it out. Because I've, I've never seen that match before. Uh, but what's your favourite Bret Hart match? Then, if you had to choose one, uh, I mean, again, it's not a very original choice. But my, my favourite Bret Hart match is is the Steve Austin one, uh, the one at uh, WrestleMania um, thirteen. WrestleMania yeah. thirteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. WrestleMania thirteen. It just aside from the fact that it's just a great match, you know, a great good match. It's also just a, a, a fantastic story, and and also and it, and it works because it the the, the, the it works as a match on its own, but the double turn works because both guys wrestle how they would anyway. It's not as if um, because Brett's turning here that he suddenly comes out of nowhere a um, you know a, a, a chicken or anything like that. He basically wrestles like hard wood. Austin wrestles like Austin wood. And everything is in, in, in keeping, when they do the turn, everything is actually in keeping to how they would fight each other. You know, because Austin, even though he's been a heel, he's always been a badass. Him not quitting is totally in keeping with character. And Brett, you know, carrying on the attack after after the match. We saw Brett do that before as a babyface. I mean, there's the SummerSlam match with Jerry Lawler where he refuses to, to drop the sharpshooter. So that, like, temper of Bret Hart is totally in keeping. I just think it's it's, it's a tremendous a, a tremendous match, but also just a, a, a tremendous story. And, and even even as a, a massive Bret Hart fan, and even was even when I was a heel, I was still you know as a Bret Hart supporter. After that match with Austin, where he's basically just like you know bleeding and loses, but he's sort of unconscious. I came out of that being an Austin fan as well. So so that that's how that's how much. The match actually worked, but it sort of turned me in some respect. But I came out of thinking, wow, Austin's awesome. And the best show you ever attended live, what would that be? Okay, so the best show um, I ever attended live was in 2008, and Pro Wrestling Noah came to the UK and they did a show in Coventry. And I've actually forgotten what they called. I think they the call it something navigation. I forgot what the title of the show was. But basically, it's Pro Wrestling Noah coming to the UK. And, and they brought most of their big stars in. We had um, uh, Morishima was on the card, Yon Akiyama was on the card, um, 
Doug Williams and Nigel McGuinness formed a tag team for the for the night. Um, and they, they had a match on the um, Brian uh, Danielson and Eddie Edwards um, were challenging for the junior tag team title against um, Ishim- uh, uh, Taji Hishimori and Kenta, which was probably the best match I've ever seen live. It was absolutely phenomenal. But the main event, and, and then, <laughs> this is in Coventry, the main event was uh, Manish Fuji and Misawa against Go Shizuki and Kenta Kobashi. And the, the, when the main event came out, there was just this buzz across the crowd. Because these are mainly hardcore. There was about 2,000 people in this building. And it, it was mainly hardcore wrestling fans who really knew the stuff. So getting to see Kenta Kabashi and Misawa anyway was, like, you know, was you know, really awesome. But to get them, them to see them wrestle each other, even if it was just in a tag match, it, you know, it was. I got goosebumps waiting for this as they were coming out. And early on in the match, the um, uh, Misawa and Kabashi are in the, getting the ring together, and there was this massive like roar from the crowd, this massive buzz. And they just did a couple of really simple little spots, and, and then tagged out. And, I, and I'm watching it at the time. I thought, well, okay, um, Shizuki and Manafuji are going to be there, so they're going to be like you know carrying the match work-wise. And um, Misawa and Kabashi are just becoming in. They're just going to be doing like little spots and just and, and I was fine with that because it's like, you know, it's it's Misawa and Kabashi. You know, if they're just doing little things, I'm fine with that. Twenty minutes into this match, Misawa and Kabashi are in there together, and they're swapping suplexes. They're chopping the hell out of each other. They're they're exchanging uppercuts and all these and clotheslines. Uh, I think the Saudi are tope at one point, and they're absolutely killing it, and the crowd is going nuts. And I, I'll be honest, I can't even remember who which team won. That it just—I'll always remember that, you know, the big moments in that match because I've never known a wrestling show where the crowd leaving were just so hyped and happy because you know this is England, and we got to see Kabashi and Masawa in the ring yeah. at the same time. And you got to see Masawa... Sorry, you got to see Masawa in, what, 2008? So that was, what, a year before... Was that a year before he died? It wasn't long before, no. Yeah. So so, so, so either looking back, it's even more poignant. But, you know, I don't know if... Because um, by this time, um, Masawa Kabashi, they, in Noah, they weren't doing that match much. They, they, they only had... They, I think they, the last time they wrestled in a big... It, like single one on one matches round about 2000 maybe and I think in, in tag matches they very rarely put them together it was like it's almost like mythical rivalry that they just say for really special occasions so for us in England to get that you know was was so special it, it, was, it was like being a music fan and seeing the Rolling Stones you know that, that that's how I can equate it it was just this and it's it's just it's a show that I'm I'm always glad I went to because it was I was you know that that month scene went to in there which it was just so special you know and I don't even know if they actually wrestled each other in America to be honest so but yeah for us to get that that that, that to me is is my favourite show of all time. Before we come on to the final question, I've just realised I actually missed a question out because I, n- I never asked you what your viewing habits are now. So, so what wrestling shows do you watch from a week to week basis? Um, well, the, the ones I I'm, I'm, I'm re- I really am a fan of Stardom, um, I, which is the, the women's promotion in, in Japan. I'm really fun of that because it's a, it's a really fun show. The, the, the matches are great. Um, particularly if you get access to Stardom uh, World because you can see all the uh, all the old matches and you can see people like um, Ayoshi and um, and, and Carrie Sane uh, you know and if, you, if you think the stuff that they did in NXT was great you know you should see the stuff they did in Stardom but on, on the you know I'm, I'm a big fan of that I really it's a really good simple concept that they have for the wrestling as well because the, the, the promotion is built around five factions and every wrestler in Stardom is affiliated to one of these factions. So every match that they have has that faction versus faction rivalry. And they're not all at war with each other constantly, although occasionally two other factions will get into a feud. But everything just seems a little, you know, has a little bite to it because of that. 
Uh, and one of the factions that I'm a really big fan of is a, is a, um, a group called Donna Del Mondo. And, uh, and they're probably the, they're probably my favourite wrestlers at the moment, particularly their leader, who's a wrestler called Julia. So, so starting for one I'm really into. AEW, I watch every week. Um, I've, I've really become a fan of that. They, they really won me over when the, um, when the COVID academic, um, um, pandemic started. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they, when, when they stopped having crowds, they really seemed to, it really seemed to be something about them that they said, we are going to entertain you. They, you know, the, the shows, they changed the shows around so that they did stuff like the bubbly bunch and things like that to make you laugh. But they also did, um, from Cody Rhodes when he first went to that first show where they didn't have a crowd, there was just something about them that you just felt, you know, these, you know, it, this is really crap. They, they, they realise the bad situation we are, but they're going to keep going and they're going to basically take his mind off. Uh, once a week, they're going to take his mind off all this crap that's going on in the real world. And that really won me over. And stuff, stuff like, like that, uh, um, that football field match that they did. Stadium Stampede, so yeah. Much Fun. Yeah, that's what it was. Just so much fun and so creative, and you just, just felt like they were going all out just to put. I know, I know it's a, a corny phrase, but to put smiles on people's faces, it really did have that feel. So, AEW really have won me over. I really enjoy their shows, even things like putting the, the wrestlers around the ring as as, uh, as the audience and fans. Just things. I think they, they dealt with things a lot better than WWE is because I. I I've not really been a, a WWE watcher for about five years now, but I did watch WrestleMania, and it that just like depressed me. Oh yeah, yeah. It was just so, and and the rest. I don't blame the wrestlers because they were doing the best, but it was just so quiet, and it just it just reminded you of how awful everything was going on. And I'll, I'll be honest, Stephanie McMahon's speech at the start of it. Re- really, uh, I really hated that. It was so tone deaf. She didn't, you know. It, I think a speech where you're a bit, a bit humble, but and, and recognise that things were bad, but tell people that you were going to do your best to entertain would have gone over a lot better than her coming out all, all jolly and everything. And um, so, yeah. So I think AEW really got the um, got that right. Um, I still watch NXT, um, NXT UK. I, I really enjoy. Um, I, I used to be a massive fan of the of NXT, uh, the, the regular NXT, and I still am. But I used to watch the the shows from from start to finish. Now I found the NXT that I I basically skip ahead to certain matches that yeah. I'm interested in, like people yeah. are like because they seem to have changed to try and compete. Ever since went to this Wednesday night deal with AEW. They seem to be trying to make it a little more um, uh, sports entertainment, and I don't. I, 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 that's not what I liked about NXT. It doesn't work. AEW do that really, really well. NXT don't, and it's kind of put me. Like I said, I still love the wrestling because that, to me, the best wrestling week in week out is uh, is NXT for, for matches. And this, I think, the takeover shows are still great. You know, they're still the best shows. But the actual from a from a rest, watching sit down to watch a wrestling show, I'd rather watch AEW as the entire show, and then NXT. I will watch the certain matches who've got the guys in who are and, and girls in who who I like. So you know, so yeah, so basically Stardom, AEW, and then um, pick and choose from the NXT shows. Yeah, I think NXT was a lot better when it was just on the network. You know, um, since it, it got moved to USA Network and has been going head to head with with Dynamite every week, it's definitely not been as good. And the takeovers, as you said, they're still good shows, but there was a time when you know the takeovers were the best shows around. You know, you would you would see you know shows that I would say are sort of nine out of ten every single time. I mean, they were just fantastic. If you go back like three four years ago. Um, Especially the tag matches as well. There was a time when they had the revival and they were having matches with DIY and American Alpha and and even Authors of Pain, you know, teams like that, and and they would have blow away tag matches at that time. Yeah, and I still I still think that the, the best women's wrestling anywhere is in NXT right now. I, you know, and I, I, I would you yeah, say would you, you say, say right now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but I mean, probably not. Well, okay, not not. 
not not competing with Japan. We, I'm talking about like in in America. Oh yeah, definitely. I still I still think that the, the wrestling, you know, is is the best. Women's wrestling is best to be found in NXT, and I think that when the women go up into up to the uh, up to Raw and SmackDown thing, I don't think they and this is nothing on them. Generally speaking, I don't think they get the time or the the storylines to actually you know. To, to basically knock it out of the park as much as what they can do. I still, I mean, I still don't get me wrong. They're still good. I mean, Bailey and Sasha Banks are still, you know, when they time they have a match, it's, they're, they're probably one of the few WWE matches that I'll actually go out my way to watch. Mm. You know, so but I think, but on a constantly like you know week on week basis, I think that you know the best women's wrestling is for, for me is in, is in the NXT. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, the final question I ask everyone is, um, yeah, what would you change if you could, if you could change one thing about wrestling? Only one thing. What would it be? Uh, so, w- what's what's what, what would you change if you, if you could sort of ha- you? I gave you a magic wand. You could change one thing about wrestling right now. What would the one thing be? Okay, so so this is this is really. Um, <laughs> Because this would never happen, but I guess, I guess the one thing that I would change, and it goes back to what I've just been talking about NXT. I, I, I don't like the, the feeder system that NXT basically is basically um, training wrestlers to become the next Raw and SmackDown superstars. I, 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 I hate that. What, what I would like is basically NXT to be completely its own thing. And, at the, at the worst, on a par with Raw SmackDown, and at the best, the actual the top brand within the WWE Network. Because to me, they still put on the, the best shows uh, with the uh, WWE. Though the the, the 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 best wrestlers, and any time that the um, like wrestlers go up, you know, like what we've seen with like Keith Lee this year, you get these wrestlers who are absolutely killing it in, in NXT and having these like four star matches and everything, and then they go up onto Raw or SmackDown and they, yeah. you know, they're just totally misused, but you know, they don't fit in. So I would either like to see that the Raw and SmackDown brands basically ended and just turn the whole thing over to NXT, or just have it that they're at least on a path. Any wrestlers in one SmackDown who are basically better in in the NXT style, put them them over. Any wrestlers in, in NXT um, who are you know, will be better in uh, one SmackDown, pass them over there, and this will just let NXT be its own thing. Because to me, aside from putting on the best, also have this um, this affection that this like ECW style affection that they've managed to get from a certain fan base. You know, you, you've, you, have you ever known a time when fans would actually be at a Raw show, SmackDown, and chant WWE, or chant Raw, or SmackDown? But, but no, it doesn't, whereas NXT, when anything's really great happening, people are chanting NXT, NXT, because it's their, they feel it's their brand, they have this affection for it. So I would basically make NXT the, 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 the top dog. I would basically expand it so that you had NXT Japan, have NXT Mexico, just like we've got NXT UK. Maybe even have an NXT women's show, so you could have a women's show where you could, you could really showcase, you know, the, the, the women only get like a, a couple of matches on the um, on, on the main roster. Have an NXT women's show and just go with that. That that would be my thing because I I, I don't I think they've grown past the whole thing people say things like uh, oh, undisputed area, when are they going to get pushed down into the into own smart when are they going to get um, called up, I don't want them to be called no, up, no absolutely not I like them where they are, they're, they're, they're great where they they are and if they you know for a fact that if they went to Rolling Smackdown they'd be um Vince will look at them and say, those guys are too small. They start doing jobs to the other guys. And within about six months, they're all being split up in all separate ways. We maybe like, you know, we maybe we've had them call night, they might do something with it. The others, they'd be just, they'd be just like, you know, forgotten about. So to me, if you, you know, promote NXT has what it is, what it does strength well, which is basically be like uh, an independent promotion, but under WWE's um, control. And, and and just go go with that, and you know, have um, have the NXT, have WWE be like a network of different shows, 
as opposed to the, this, um, you know, for me, having Raw and SmackDown as the main roster and stuff, when it's the one that, to me, is, is failing. I mean, I've, I've certainly not got any interest in um, Raw and SmackDown, apart from a couple of wrestlers like Asuka and um, Shayna Baszler, who are, I, whose careers, I'm, I, whose matches I enjoy and stuff. But generally speaking, I've, you know, I, I've, I've certainly very little interest in them. But to me, you know, if, if, if that's the one thing I would do, is basically, you know, have NXT just has itself and not be not be the feeder system. Do you like to see more uh, cases like with Finn Balor? You know, Finn Balor goes back to NXT, Ember Moon goes back to NXT. Would you like to see people like, you know, say, say for instance, Matt Riddle and, and Keith Lee, who they haven't really done great things with on the main roster? You like, would you like to see them back in NXT again then, and things like that? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, and, and maybe some of people who haven't had uh, an NXT career. So, um, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't follow WWE, so I don't know if Brian Danielson is still wrestling on a regular basis. Yeah, he but, had a great match with uh, Cesaro the other night on SmackDown, apparently, which I need to yeah. check out. Uh, yeah, but... see, I mean, you've got two guys there, Cesaro and Brian Danielson. Um, if they were to go over to NXT, even for a short while, you know, can you imagine the matches they would have for AJ Styles? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, my idea for the Royal Rumble, and I, I don't think they'll ever do it, but my idea for the Royal Rumble was to have Daniel Bryan win it and not challenge Roman Reigns or, or Drew McIntyre, but but go to NXT, you know, that Charlotte did last year when Charlotte challenged Rhea Ripley, have um, Daniel Bryan challenge Finn Balor. You know, somebody's never really... I mean, there may have been a Brian Danielson-Prince Devitt match years and years ago, but they've, they've never worked together in WWE, and Daniel Bryan apparently is coming towards the end of his career, he reckons. He reckons it's going to be his last run. So, Daniel Bryan and Finn Balor, I mean, I would book it for WrestleMania. I mean, that, 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 that's just me. I'm not sure they'll ever, ever do that. But is that something you'd like to see? Oh, good, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, you know, that, that's awesome to me. Oh, having, um, having Asuka uh, go up, go, uh, win, or maybe not even win, just go over for a match with um, I, I hope and, yeah. and you know just something like that um, because you know Finn, Finn Bally wasn't you know he wasn't doing a great deal in, in WWF but, uh, but I uh, sorry WWE showing <laughs> my age there um, you know but he's, he's he's coming to NXT and he just feels right he just feels like he belongs there you know no, so yeah. to, to, to me you know and uh, there's I can't think of that many wrestlers who have gone across to um, no. up, up, up into on SmackDown and then really, really don't. I mean, from, uh, you know, I mean, but funny enough, the, the one guy who I never liked in NXT, Baron Corbin, seems to be the one that's, that's sort of like, you know, done well because he, he's tall. But, you know, I don't well, I guess, I mean, obviously Charlotte and, and Sasha and well, Bailey, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but... the, yeah the, the, the women, yeah, the, the four, the four, the, the four horsemen. And Becky, obviously, the, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they've done really well, obviously, over there. But, you know, the, um, you know, a lot of the male wrestlers, I don't... I, no, I mean, know. even Kevin Owens. I, mean, I, guess, I guess you could say too much. Yeah, but yeah, Drew, yeah but, but even like Kevin Owens, or you know, I mean, I suppose you know you could throw Seth out there, but but Seth was in NXT when was in NXT when it was very very different. I mean, it wasn't it hadn't quite it wasn't on the network at that point, and it wasn't really it's not the same way it was when say Finn came over or Nakamura or you know Joe or Bobby or any number of guys, but and it and it didn't have that reputation of being a good great promotion in its own right it was this fun little thing it, it wasn't until after they left that they you started to get the shows where they were actually killing it and having like sort of you know four or five star matches on there you know so but yeah i just i, I just that would that would be my big thing is basically let nxt be nxt and not be beholden to being the, the grooming ground personally well, Darren, we're coming up to the hour mark. I think this is the longest one we've done so far, which is which is great. I've really enjoyed uh, the conversation, and um, really, uh, like I said at the top of the show, um, really glad that you're listening to every show and enjoying them, and and, and glad we finally got a chance to uh, to have you on for the, for, for this episode. Oh, 
No, thank you. I, I have to say, I really do enjoy the show. But like I said before, it just it's just good to hear people talking passionately and fun about wrestling, and it's good for me because it made me think about my years as being a wrestling fan and and brought back all these great great memories. As I often say on this show, yeah, the the, the fight game podcast facebook group is, is such a great group i mean everyone gets on so well and and i'm really looking forward to hearing some of the guests i've got coming up and uh yeah i mean i don't know obviously it's good there's going to come a point where i'm going to run out of guests but i, I do want to do more podcasts in the future and I would, I would love to have you back on for whatever we i choose to do going forward so uh yeah thank you darren yeah, yeah. That, that'd be great because i think as well being a british wrestling fan it was so different how we had access to wrestling. So I think there's some interesting stories, you know, back there that we couldn't really dive into. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to come back. I'm always happy to talk wrestling. So for Darren, I'm David. Thank you very much indeed for listening, and I'll be back for the next episode with another fellow Brit. Steve Geimer will be joining me. <laughs>